Hello and welcome to the Sutter Faction Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Sutter. I write, I talk, I listen. Today we continue the countdown of our 12 ideas to construct a life worth living. Philosophy, psychology, society and culture, happiness, mental health, physical health, sleep, nutrition, politics, beauty and a lot in between. Most importantly, we look at these things as deeply interconnected. To plant seeds, look at things just a little bit differently. A quick look at our list of us far. Number one, give up. Don't keep on chasing. Two, collect experiences, not things. Avoid the unlived life. Three, be careful who you listen to. Be careful who your heroes are. Number four, travel and mostly your inner world. The way out is in. Five, learn for life, not for a job. Never stop learning. And now, number six, ideas to construct a life worth living. Health is wealth. Number six, health is wealth. For many of us, when we think of preparing for retirement, We think somewhat automatically about what that looks like from a financial economic lens. Almost from high school, we are prepared for retirement, whether it be through the advertisement of a beautiful graying couple strolling down the beach, only to know at the end that it's a superannuation or 401k promotion, subtly suggesting that if you make the right investments, you too can wander down the beach still in love, extremely attractive, fit and happy. Or we hear it from the constant chat from fearful parents and aunties hoping that they have enough set aside for when they hang up the boots on their working lives. In fact, much of our lives is looked at from an economic lens. The world we've inherited is an economic world. And much of what makes humans human, humans beautiful and unique, is clouded or diluted by our need to survive financially. And It is, of course, a necessary pursuit in a capitalist world where the market is king and with rising costs of living, maybe this is more pressing than ever. Finding balance between fostering adequate financial resources while actually having time and energy to live your life well might just be one of the most difficult and most important of life's balancing acts. If it leans too much to one side, well, maybe you barely scrape through with no time, energy, or capacity to do anything. If you lean too much to the other side, maybe you have more than you'll ever need. But of course, that comes at a cost. And maybe that cost is a lack of curiosity, a nice little side effect of a mind that rarely stretches outside of its rigid routine, a routine that may mean an abundance of riches, but a routine that offers little room for anything else. Uh, Anything else in this case could be positive relationships, interests, adventures, and optimum physical and mental health. And often the scale won't be skewed to the left or the right, but hover somewhere around the middle, which could well be the bleakest of all. It still means we have to work the bulk of each week and each year, and for most of our lives, where we probably do have enough financially. But we would like a little more, a bigger house, a nicer car, another pair of shoes, and our wishes for a bump up at our annual reviews or a bump up of the stock prices all 
to keep those things worthy of our attention. But money is only one investment of many for our retirement. But you'd think that it was the only one. And we need to be very careful about what we want, about what it is we are valuing, because we might end up getting it. Because if we are careful or skillful, we may end up with money and a lot of it, but not much else. Because our investments in Bitcoin, houses, shares, Pokemon cards, red wine, gold, you name it, should allow us to have more time, more vitality. Perhaps they should be done so we can do all the things we love more often. But somewhere along the way, our financial investments have become the goal in and of itself. And the reasons we got involved in them, the more time with family, more time surfing or playing 10-pin bowling, more time at the gym, more holidays, etc., end up becoming secondary things. The house becomes our life, the entire one. And it can become a means to accumulate even further, to step deeper into the lure of materialism, to work more, longer, harder. The more we get, the more we want to get, and the more we want to protect it. And quickly, our investments can become anything but an investment. And importantly, they can take our time and energy and capacity away from interests, relationships, connection, love, meaning, purpose, freedom. We can so easily become too tired to find time for these, for anything really. We may have big ideas, but they quickly fall down the list of priorities when all we want to do is curl up in the lounge and watch a movie or read a book, when all we want to do is jump into bed. I know for me that so many of my big ideas have easily been defeated by five days at work. Like a prime Mike Tyson simply swatting away another pretender, already beaten before they step inside the ring, or anywhere near the ring. The same certain defeat when fatigue makes sure there is little capacity for any substance whatsoever. So the fatigue, the stress, the limited capacity works to magnify the outcomes and deliver even less time for those things we love or want, even need, now and in the future. We think we are doing wise things for our future, and we probably are because we need to, right? We need to think about all of this when we have kids and health, ageing and all of life is concerned. But... Without enough introspection, reflection, examination, inside and outside, of values, wants, needs, dreams, and all those external conditions, where and how we live, cost of living, work conditions, we can inadvertently make it more difficult to find the joy in the things we initially set out to make all the sacrifices for in the first place. And I don't know the answer, probably because there isn't one, but... That's up to you, right? That's up to you to find out and how you balance it all out. But I do know it definitely isn't a one-size-fits-all. But the further we get in our pursuit of wealth and financial security, it can become a kind of, if you don't use it, you lose it phenomena, but not how you would expect. Our minds become less flexible and adaptive, more fearful of change and uncertainty, less open and more rigid, taking us again further away from joy, creativity, interest, relaxation and connection and what, whatever it is that make your days worth living. And that is why it is such an important balancing act. 
does it simply come back again to what you value? That too can be diluted the further you get lost in the pursuit of wealth. We know values, just like goals and the best intentions, go out the window when fatigue is present, when stress is spreading like wildfire. It's tough. But if one is significantly hindered by the other, especially our health, if that deteriorates due to too much onus on wealth, there needs to be a change. And it's a change that simply can't wait. Because while you might not fall to a heart attack today, you may limit your capacity to make the necessary changes down the track. Messing with deeply ingrained habits is akin to slipping a right cross from a prime Mike Tyson. It might work once, but it is near impossible to do for 12 rounds. If you've listened to this podcast before, you would have undoubtedly met Lou my inspired and free-thinking, zesty and vital friend from my days living in San Francisco. Lou rarely gave advice. Instead, he just lived, and that, and that was inspiring enough. To see an 85-year-old write and cut up footage for a new documentary, to see him move freely on the tennis court, to see him drive eight hours to visit and care for friends. But he did give one piece of sage advice to me, a few, a few times actually, and that was, don't chase the money. He told me he remembers vividly being on a golf course, a young up-and-coming finance guru mixing and playing with some big dogs, wanting to have it all, to own it all, to be it all. When one of the old guys said to the 20-something Lou, don't chase the money. So I guess it is not Lou's advice, but something he deemed required passing down. He told stories of his wealthy friends with not many friends. Poor relationships with their partners and children. Terrible health. Most dead. None in their 80s. None playing tennis. None hanging with their kids and grandkids every week. None making movies. None happy. The message wasn't that you can't be wealthy. It was all about the intention, the balance, the multi-layered and deeply interconnected nature of life and health and happiness. My pop... Another super healthy, kind, inspiring, interesting and beautiful human being who lived deep into his 90s answered when asked about the most important thing in life with the surprising response of health. He said, health. My beloved pop, Augustus Clement Marconi Riccani, respected and admired by all, didn't say family, despite having eight kids and over 40 grandkids, not faith, Despite his religious underpinnings, not love, not respect, not security, despite relocating to Australia with little money from India in his mid-40s, he said, you can't have or enjoy anything without health, without good health. That's how Pop could enjoy his family, by marching out to the crease to bat at age 90 for a Christmas cricket match. That's how he could connect with his great-grandchildren by getting on the ground and engaging with them by cooking, by playing his mouth organ, by valuing health over wealth. And when we talk about investments, when we get older we can see more clearly who invested in what, and we start to see the dividends really paying off. The wealth guy, surrounded by no one, sick, mentally and physically. The health guy, surrounded by love, in love, full of love. And like a good life, a good human, Health is multi-layered and deeply interconnected. It is balanced, dynamic and holistic. And like many things we see today, as people scramble to commoditize most things, health has become so overwhelming, 
complicated, tricky to understand. There's a plethora of gyms on corners all over cities and suburbs all around the modern Western world. Yoga and Pilates studios, online programs, apps, fancy new food products and aisles full of an array of foods that our grandparents simply would not understand. So how do we see through the clutter to get ourselves in good health, to enjoy good health? And maybe that point I just made is a good first step. Eat foods with ingredients that your grandparents would understand. An ingredient that would leave them stunned and one they wouldn't recognize? Well, leave the product on the shelf. I wrote a children's poem years ago about healthy eating, and I think there's one line there that, that still holds well. And that is, eat real food that grows, ripens, and rots, like what our ancestors did but we quickly forgot. Or as Michael Pollan would say, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Right? Not highly processed foods, not edible food-like substances, and avoid products with too many ingredients. Not too much? Well, always stop before you are full. In Okinawa, a blue zone known for its longevity, they have a cultural principle that stops them at 80% full. And as for eating plants... Pollen says, there is incontrovertible but boring evidence that eating your fruits and vegetables is probably the best thing you can do for preventing cancer, for weight control, for diabetes, for all the Western diseases that now afflict us. That's pretty powerful. Other things, eat together. Health is multifaceted. Eat with friends, with family, not in front of the TV. When I was traveling in Cuba, I loved how they ate every meal together for hours, not rushing off to something else. They didn't wait for Christmas to get together. They did it every day. Because good health is positive relationships and positive emotion. It is connection and engagement. Forget protein and carbs. Forget fats. Fads. Just eat real food with real people. Health is dynamic. It isn't just what we eat, but where we eat. Not just how much we exercise, but how we exercise, where we exercise. It is how we think, how we concentrate, our awareness, our thought patterns, and thus our stress. It is not just how we sleep, but who we sleep with. It isn't just big muscles, but whether we are actually pain-free. When we hone in on any one thing in isolation, we fail to connect the dots and then may fail to enjoy optimal well-being. And if you want to get into great health, that is great. To feel and look good is admirable, but we often leave so much at the door. We think we just need to smash ourselves at the gym each morning, meeting the same energy coming in as going out, i.e. calories. But that leaves out where we exercise, when and who with. And even that we need to tread with care. Daniel Lieberman, in his book Exercise, says we exercise far too much, but we never actually evolved to exercise, and his book points the way towards more enjoyable and physically active living in the modern world. Those two points are worth pondering. The modern world. Rushing off in the car to the air-conditioned gym before sitting for 12 hours at the desk. And secondly, more enjoyable. Modern exercise for so many is anything but enjoyable, but has become something that they have to do. 
Not enjoying yourself is Nietzsche's definition of original sin. Even Thich Nhat Hanh's definition of Buddhism is so you have a clever way to enjoy yourself. So much of what we've created in terms of health, of food, exercise, etc., is not very enjoyable. So many people I know exercise every day, and they look, and more importantly feel, pretty bad. Perhaps because when we fail to connect the dots, we live out of alignment and out of balance. We exercise for the wrong reasons, certainly not for joy, and in doing so we rub up against barriers and considerable frictions like stress, cortisol, a job we hate, relationships we ignore, food we just can't understand. I don't exercise. I haven't for years. In fact, I rarely use the word. Maybe because it has become too commoditized and manipulated. Instead, I prefer movement because it is pretty cool to have a body that moves. I prefer play because when we are serious, we always press for a specific conclusion, killing possibility, adding stress, killing joy and adding more stress. Obviously a huge barrier to good health. I used to train every day, hard, in all kinds of gyms, but now I don't even train every day. I rest, I stretch, I roll, I go for slow walks, I read, and I've never been in better shape, never been fitter, never looked better. I can still run 50 kilometers, still pump out 20 chin-ups, still box 12 rounds, and forgive my French and self-indulgence, I'm still ripped to shreds. So I want to whip up my own motto for health, a holistic interconnected one. And here it is. Eat real food that grows, ripens and rots, like what our ancestors did but we quickly forgot. Eat mostly plants, with friends, slowly, with no TV, and don't eat too much. Move your body, not too much, with friends, in nature, be playful, enjoy yourself. Move your mind deeply, consider Examine yourself and your conditions. Meditate, think for yourself. Find meaningful work, spend time with people you love often, and do the things you love often. And rest. Great health is a sign of balance, integration, desires, cravings, choices, values. We quickly see that it all connects. Not only everything in this list of 12 ideas to construct a life worth living, but everything in life. Are you investing in the right things? Are you valuing the right things? Is there something you are putting off again and again that you say you'll pick up once you've ticked off the list of the more important things? Are you waking up at 4am every day to race in the car to the gym, all the time thinking or stressing about the big meeting at 9am, when perhaps... Sleeping in and grabbing a coffee with a mate could be a much better thing for your health and well-being. Are you 40 and working your ass off to pay for the home and to send the kids to a nice school when you are overweight, aren't enjoying your life and could fall dead at any minute? Do you have great bulging biceps when you haven't had an honest conversation with your wife in 12 months? Is your bank account access more than your heart, your sense of humor, your ability to create joy? The old productivity trap, the hustle culture, the 4am wake-ups, where does it take you? Where do you end up? 
We need to be wary of the people spruiking these things. Are they making money from this? Books, courses, talks, workshops? And is a tired person a better capitalist? We must tread this path with great care. The Wealth Health Balancing Act requires deep examination and great consideration. The possessions, titles, labels, accumulation is a great vortex. Epicurus paints this paints this picture really well. He wrote, Nothing satisfies the man who is not satisfied with a little. Unhappiness comes either through fear or through a vain and unbridled desire. But if a man curbs these, he can win for himself the blessedness of wisdom. It is not deprivation of these things which is the source of pain. Such unnecessary suffering arises from vain fancies. The crude soul is puffed up by prosperity and cast down by misfortune. By means of occupations worthy of a beast, abundance of riches is heaped up, but a miserable life results. What are we valuing? We must penetrate to the root of stories, cultural norms, news pieces, fancy labels on nice jars, compelling copy on gym windows and pseudo-influencers and their latest app or program. We must enhance our capacity for heightened awareness and for critical thinking. Then at least we can choose what we value for ourselves. I remember when I first moved to New York City and I read a piece in the New York Times and I can't remember the writer, but I can remember the message because it resonated so deeply with me. He wrote that he made the conscious choice a long time ago to choose time over money, knowing for the best investment of his short life on planet Earth is to do the things he loves with the people he loves. I've always had a similar philosophy because we don't spend anything with money but only the time it takes to make that money. And how we choose to spend that time, knowing that every choice we make affects that time and vast our health and our ability to actually enjoy it, is arguably the biggest question of our lives. This is Satisfaction. Please tell one friend about the show, That is a great way to support all podcasts, all writers, all artists. And I sincerely thank you for your time and energy, for all the beautiful messages, for giving me the chance to think out loud and for you to listen. I'm Evan Sutter. Please check out my book Awake and support my challenge of getting awake, a happiness and well-being toolkit full of practical and super useful skills to improve our mental health in the hands of every year 10 student in Australia. Tell your teacher friends, give one to a young friend, start the ripple. This is season three, satisfaction, punchy, important talks. Enjoy.